you know, there's no one else to blame and be a tyrant to except for me. And uh, I find, you know, I remember when it was just me and I, I flopped. Welcome to the Real Construction Owners Podcast, where we interview real construction owners who are crushing it in this industry. Today, we have Bradley Gardner, owner of Hometown Restoration. How you doing, brother? Living the dream, sir. How are you? Man, I'm truly blessed and highly favored out here in Costa Rica and having a good time with the fam. Hey, man, you have been doing big things in this industry and helping contractors understand the appraisal process and because insurance companies try to pay as little as possible. But before we get into all that, I want to know a little bit about you. And so does our audience who are contractors and owners. Tell us your story. How'd you get started? What were you doing before you owned this roofing company? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I guess we can, it, it story kind of goes way back, I guess. Uh, I, I started out as a, uh, a car salesman and then found my way uh, insurance salesman. And uh, I was there, um, you know, mainly because I was a, I was a good salesperson, um, but not stuff the company I worked for. Uh, they were in a tight spot, so they hired me. Uh, but I ended up ended up doing well there. And uh, it's um, you know, we after about three years, I was I was set. I was I was uh, you know, I made a little over a hundred thousand a year. I was like twenty five years old, and um, I was I was kind of happy where I could be. And then we got hit with a hailstorm. And uh, all of a sudden, every day I was getting cussed out because, uh, um, uh, you know, we were underpaying claims and all that. So I ended up, uh, I felt like I was a car salesman again, really. And uh, I ended up with a uh, roofing company, uh, you know, like any good roofer and any good roofing company story. Uh, he screwed me out of a lot of money kind of thing. When, and, 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 you know, uh, at least that's how I felt at the time, uh, which he, he never, he definitely didn't, didn't pay me. But uh, I think we kind of learn as we grow that a lot of our problems, you know, we, we, you take ownership of how you got there. Probably didn't help that I was their drug dealer before I worked for them. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it, it was, uh, you know, just a whole different life and uh, ended up, um, Ended up having starting one little company with uh, a buddy of mine that I knew, and um, you know, like any good partnership, we flopped pretty quickly. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then uh, I found myself broken homeless at my grandmother's house, and I started Hometown Restoration. I named it Hometown because that was about the only. And that, uh, that's a great name, man. It's a great name worked out it's worked out really well uh because we're local wherever we go now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh and, and and we grew from there you know it's just um you know man i, I tell you just coming into this industry and thinking about it just kind of walking through the story there you know this this industry and and the people in it have really changed my life i guess that's why i love it so much it's like, like if it weren't for roofers in recovery then I wouldn't have gotten sober. Maybe I would have, but I wouldn't have been able to do it the way I did and 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 with the support I had. If it wasn't for, you know, all of the people that just helped and, and explained, I wasn't a roofer. My daddy wasn't a roofer. I mean, I, you know, I came at this knowing a little bit about insurance and 
really didn't even know how claims worked uh, as an agent. You don't know that stuff. You know how to sell policies. And if it wasn't for just like the information I was able to get, wouldn't have been successful. And somehow or another, through all of that pain and growth and all that stuff, we ended up, uh, I ended up surrounded by a bunch of amazing people and that align their life with what we're doing and um, they are out here killing it. Uh, I, you know, man, I, I, I don't deserve all the credit. I, it, I, I, I tell you, I remember when it was just me and uh, I had just uh, lost and all that stuff. And, you know, there's no one else to blame and be a tyrant to except for me. And uh, I find, you know, I remember when it was just me and I, I flopped a few times, you know, it's, it's, uh, and so that's how, that's kind of our story, I guess. I've, I've, I've been blessed enough to be surrounded by amazing people. So. You know what? I came down to Mississippi and learned at your appraisal conference that you should host more of. And if you're a roofing contractor in the insurance restoration business, anytime he throws that offer out, he does it out of the kindness of his heart. It's helped my business tremendously become way more profitable. Most importantly, help the homeowners get exactly what they're supposed to get in an insurance claim. But the reason I say when I came out there, I was impressed. You have an organization. You have yeah. a business that runs itself like a well-oiled machine. And that's what our listeners want as a contractor. Tell us, what is your role in your company? I'm <laughs> least important role now. You know, it's, it's, it's phases. And, you know, that long sum event that I did, I, that's, I, I didn't want to be a guru, man. Uh, I, I never set out to, I'm not naturally the guy that's out in the limelight kind of thing. It just happened. Uh, um, and, and, and so that's because you, it's because you have a force for good, man. Like you, yeah, well, you, stand, I mean, I wanna you stand up for truth. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I'm definitely one that'll call bullshit when I see it kind of thing. And, um, well, and I mean, the way the insurance companies deal with this is bullshit. Uh, it's, you know, it's just bullshit. Uh, so that being said, you know, I didn't really start out for that. But to answer your question about um, my organization and, and how we get there, there was phases. It's like there's a video on YouTube uh, called How to Start a Movement. And it's a, it's a short TED Talk video. Um, and it talks about, it's got this, it's got all these kids at this rave concert and uh, in the middle of this crowd, one kid steps up and just starts flailing his arm. Yeah. Starts dancing like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then he's doing that for a minute and everyone's sitting there laughing at him. And then like another guy joins in and there was a, there was an important factor there that I think a lot of people go through and they don't realize it is the guy turns greets his first follower as an embraces him as an equal and then they turn and dance together and and we see that a lot where I was talking with a roofer the other day uh you know he had been working for about a year he finds a guy that would be a key key thing in his in his business and, and he turns and gives him a piece of the company I kind of disagree with that. I think that you don't, we he was trying to sort that out. How do I turn and how do I embrace this guy as an equal in my company? 
because it was his first. And we, we watch people do that. And, and that's, that's kind of the death of a lot of companies is they turn around and they're like, hey, I need a partner here. Come be my partner. I'll give you half the company. And you go off and build your dream and you're dragging some guy along and he ends up being a, a leech on the business, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's not what that means. It means to not be a tyrant is what that means. To turn and greet someone as your equal and explain to them. So when you have a role is up, got a very unimportant role now because I've, I've taken those roles and said, hey, guys, this is our responsibility. This is your responsibility. This is what you do. This is our company. Here holds equal status as, of importance within the company. That doesn't mean you have equal rank. That doesn't mean that you have equal pay. What that means is when you're part of this family, no matter what, you're inside this bubble and everything else is outside the bubble. So going back to that video, there was the that we, we, we go through that. We, we have a little bit of our, our getting our first followers and that's a lot of hard work and it's really hard to keep dancing, right? I don't know if you're, I'm, I'm old and fat now and I run out of breath dancing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Doing that. But if you can hold on just a little while and keep working your ass off, what happens is the first followers teach all of the rest of the followers how to do your, what the dance, right? And they keep coming and they keep coming and it keeps multiplying. And what was the highlight of the video was um, it's not the leader that ended up being the most important to start a movement. It was the first followers really buying into the lead, what the leader was doing and then teaching others how to do it. And, 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 and after that, it's really the leader just gets absorbed into the crowd. And that, that's kind of how I view it. That's, that's been my stage and my, my, the way it's grown here is I ended up just getting absorbed into the crowd. Like if you walked into a restaurant and saw me and my team sitting at the table, you wouldn't be able to point me out. And I like it that way. That's, that's beautiful. That's a great metaphor. I've never yeah. heard it like that before. Thanks for sharing. So I want to know what's your best success secret in growing your business? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it, I, you know, it's it sounds so stupid and, I, and it sounds so repetitive, but just surrounding myself with good people. Uh, I, I mean, man, you know, we we work hard, uh, but I got good people, uh, and I don't want to. I mean, I, I guess I can't say it enough, really. But it's I have people, and I let them, I let them have their vision and grow. It's the collective conscience that creates something. It's you know, it's like like. So talking about success, what is the most nominated, awarded video film of all time? No idea. You know, it, it, it's uh, The Lion King hmm, of all things. Okay. Right Not on. even, didn't have a real person in it. But what it is, is it has hundreds of people that are working behind it. And they all came together and wrote a story and then portrayed the story. And what comes out is a perfect story, right? If you were to ask one person to write their version of a little boy becoming a man and tell it in the, you know, it it wouldn't come out anything like the Lion King, right? It's a group of people and their creativity that created it, right? And that's, that's, that's so important is letting the group, you know, unleash their creativity um, within the bounds of, of what 
you're supposed to be doing. Like we're, you know, I, and I'm probably even the world's worst at it. I'll get, I'll get uh, shiny object syndrome and start us on a new project. I mean, like that, <laughs> you know, uh, so keeping people aligned with a goal and, and, and a vision. That's what a leader does. But when it comes to uh, achieving that, you have to you have to give up control of what the end result of that vision is. It's this is um, ask, uh, uh, one of the things I heard said once was ask the universe for what you want, work for it and let go of what comes to pass. And it's that letting go part, letting the understanding that no matter what you think the future looks like, there's billions of variables and you can't possibly comprehend all. So let the collective conscience be absorbed into the future. And that that that, that makes sense. Uh, Dude, you're wise beyond your years. I feel like <laughs> I'm talking to a, a Padawa or a yoga, Yoda or something. So... <laughs> So with that being said, I was sitting at the pool the other day with my kids uh, in here in Costa Rica. We were watching the sunset go down and there was this guy, a construction owner who does all the work himself. And he's like, man, I was telling him what I do. He's like, what do I do next? How do I get out of me doing all the work? If, what's your opinion? Who should he hire first? A, uh, um, an operations person who does the collection, a service person who handles all the subcontractors, gets all the jobs done, or a recruiting manager to build sales, a sales force? I think that probably depends on his strengths, right? Um, you know, I, I meet guys like that all the time uh, that are still doing it. I remember when I was still doing the work. I'll I, I tell you what happened to me one time. Uh, I, was, I was early on in starting my roofing company. I used to go do the small jobs myself because, you know, they were a quick dollar and the, every little dollar mattered. Uh, right. So I remember one time I had an appointment with this big roof. Uh, it was like an 80 square roof. And uh, at that point in my career, I hadn't done many of them. And uh, I had an appointment with them for call it Wednesday afternoon. And what I was going to do is there was a little lady that needed a valley replaced. Uh, and I was going to go over there. And of course, we were roofing a house. My crew was roofing a house. I said, I'll go over here and I'll do this valley. It was like 700, do the valley myself. And I grabbed a couple, you know, a few bundles of shingles, went over there. While I was there, she said, well, I'm worried about the other one leaking. Will you do that one too? I said, no problem. I got to go get some more material. I go get more material. By the time I get back to the job, I get everything torn up. It's five o'clock in the afternoon. Now I've got to call this customer and say, hey, because I had an appointment at like 6.30. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to make it today. I'm all nasty and sweaty. I'm finishing up this, this job. I'd like to reschedule to come tomorrow. They said, yeah, no problem. And uh, so I got $1,500 for doing two valleys. And um, I go home dead tired, worn out. I made a thousand bucks that day. And uh, the next day I call the customer and let them know I'm on the way. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. We got somebody else to handle. And if I'd have gone the day before when I was supposed to, I'd have closed the 80 square roof, made, you know, five times what I made on the, on the repair. And that's when I realized I was, I was uh, costing myself money. They call it a, a stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. Yep. Right. So I realized that I was more valuable, not being on the roof. Like my grandfather said, some of the best lessons in life are the ones you'll pay for. And I paid for that lesson. Mm -hmm. So I said, I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life doing repairs myself. And, uh, I could have just sent a, uh, one of my crews over there to 
go knock that out and made 500 bucks and still close this bigger deal. And I was like, okay, well, we're never doing that again. What I need to figure out is how to never lose a sale. And I had a sales background. So I got into building a sales team and uh, learning about how to do that. And, you know, well, then that turned into I'm staying up till two o'clock in the morning doing all the books and getting all the invoices together. I need to hire a secretary, uh, you know, and, and my wife wasn't doing anything with the business at the time. We were newlyweds and I pulled her in there and said, you're the new secretary, you know, uh, and then it turned into I needed an accountant because she's not very good at being an accountant. And then it right. turned into, you know, so it's like, what are your strengths? And, and then you build from, you, 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 you try to hyper-focus on that. My strength was running a sales team. Uh, his strength may be production and he needs to hire a sales manager, right? So it really just depends on where you add and what your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. You, you hire for your weaknesses. Um, so, and, and, and a lot of people get afraid to hire someone I think if you hire someone, they should make you money, not cost you money. If they cost you money, you should fire them. And, 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 and you, you do that very quickly, right? So if it's, uh, if it's somebody that's not better than you at running a sales team or running production or whatever it is that you need, uh, then you fire them and keep swinging until you hire the right person. Uh, so that, that would be my, my advice to him is, well, first off, identify where your weaknesses are and then fill them with somebody that's better than that's you. Simple, simple, but right on point, man. Find yeah. out what your strengths are. Write down your strengths. Find out what your weaknesses are. Write them down and hire somebody to do those things that you're not good at. Yeah. Boom. So with that being said, you have multiple offices. You're all over the place. You're crushing it. Let's say we have a contractor who's doing a couple million bucks and he wants to grow his business. What are a couple of things he should focus on in order to grow his business? I think my, my first question to guys like that, I get asked, Brad, how do we do what you're doing? What the fuck would you want to? It's like, the first question is, well, what's your why? And is that a real why? And man, there is nothing wrong with a guy that's doing a few million dollars on his own making you know four two three four hundred thousand dollars a year like if that's your goal and that's where you want to be and that's what make like do that don't be so stressed out because someone else is doing something that I mean don't measure yourself against what the world's doing measure yourself against what you what you expect and, and like, that's first step. So I, I get that question a lot. It's like, how do I do and this? I've been, I've been a roofer for 20 years. How do I, you know, get into five states? It's like, you really want that headache, bro? You, you know, you really want to get, be in five states and then like wake up one year and you still only made 200 grand? You know, that, that, that happens, you know? So it's like, you know, there's, there's that problem. There's a lot of ways to skin this cat and, and, and what I would recommend is measuring yourself against yourself first. Uh, that, 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 would be, that would be my advice to anybody that, that is my advice when I get asked that question a lot. It's like, and figure out what you want and why you want it first. Uh, that's the first step. Uh, and then like, once you know that, like once you have your purpose, 
then you can like, well, it gets really easy to start deciphering what aligns with your purpose and what doesn't. It's like, well, once I know that my purpose is to own a hundred million dollar roofing company, well, then I get to start seeing the avenues to, that take me to, to the, being that person. Uh, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier, ask the universe for what you want and then work for it and then let go of what comes to pass. You know, that's like step one. So beautiful law of attraction, man. I'm all for yeah. it, dude. I got to ask you on a business note, what's an expensive lesson that you learned that was painful? Uh, George Orwell said, all tyrannies must rule through fraud and force. And once the fraud is exposed, they can only rely on force. And I found out that I was running my company like a tyrannical asshole in the beginning. It was my way or the highway, do what I say. People worked and did what they were supposed to because they were afraid that they, I would be upset. And what started happening was people started not bringing me problems because they didn't want me to be upset about them. And once they got enough problems under that belt, Lib was about to blow on it or whatever. Uh, for instance, maybe a bunch of customers that were wanting to cancel. Well, all of a sudden, you know, a salesman's dealing with a bunch of customers that want to cancel and I don't know about it. And uh, he just quits and I'm left with what I thought was 20 contracts turns out to be 15 cancellations or something like that. And, you know, you're lit when you rule through fraud and force, the world around you becomes warped and you think you're living in a world that you're not and you think your company's great. And that's kind of what happens with a lot of these guys. They, they think they have these big companies and they really don't. And they really believe they do though. And uh, what ends up happening is, you know, these guys end up you know, the house of cards falls one day and I was one of them, uh, it happened to me. And, and I know how you get there. Uh, so that was probably the biggest lesson that hurt was that whole ego death that whole everyone just leaving. Uh, and at the end of the day, the reason why was because I was a tyrannical asshole. You're getting real off this show today. And I love that because we, <laughs> I mean, I'm this way all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there before. I know what you're saying. I had to give up power. I had a very successful multi-millionaire guy tell me, son, you have to be the door not the doer. Yeah. And I said, what does that mean? He said, you have to set it up in a way where everybody else gets to live their dreams and be the doer through your door. I was like, wow. And once I heard that, my business started to flourish because I found service operations and recruiting. And now I'm here in Costa Rica chilling, man. Yeah. But enough about me. I want to know about you. What's an investment that you've made that has surprised you or a strategy that you do in investing that is paying you back tenfold. Investing or in roofing? Like, no, it doesn't have to be in roofing at all. We talk about real estate. We talk about Burr. We talk about crypto. Talk about international. You know, there's a lot of those, uh, I guess, um, mainstream ideas haven't haven't really. I mean, I'm, I made money in crypto, cashed out. It just seems, you know, I, and I know somebody's going to get in the comments on this one and talk shit. But it just seems played out. And I can understand the technology behind it. I get it. 
and I and I and I can see application for it, especially stuff like blockchain and Ethereum applications for smart contracts. You know, these things will make things a lot more efficient. I, I see those things. Um, now you start losing me on the what's the new one the where they you know you buy the NFT image. or something. No one's been able to subscribe get me to subscribe to that yet. Uh, and, <laughs> I haven't. I, and I, I I mean look man I dove down the the wormhole on it. We've done well in real estate. I have, I have some rentals and and bought. Tell some me houses. tell me about your real estate because I'm most interested. I want to know about that. I asked that question because I know you're killing it. I know you got 15 plus properties. How did how did you do that? Yeah, you know, we ended up uh, we bought we bought a house. I, well, first of all, I had a customer I did a roof for, and uh, you know, I had, I had a buddy of mine that was always you know he was he was big into following all the all the gurus online, but just never pulled the trigger on anything. And I'm sitting over here, uh, you know, making money and and uh, roofing, and uh, had this idea of everything I touched turned to gold instantly. So. You know, uh, had to learn through that too. Uh, yes, but sir. I went on. <laughs> so uh, I dove into uh, real estate. Was that uh, your wife laughing in the background? No, no, it's like it's me laughing. <laughs> uh, so I dove into uh, real estate because I had a customer that I was at his house and he was uh, mentioning that he had his mom's house he needed to sell. And um, you know, I said, well, what do you want for it? He said, $15,000. I said, what? <laughs> so it's in South Jackson, which is a, 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 a scary place to say the least. And, uh, but for 15 grand, I'm like, man, I can rent this thing out $800 a month. I'll have it back in a year and a half. No problem. I buy the house and um, put a little bit of money into it, fix it up and uh, put a tenant in it. She rents from about a month and then she goes me and then the homeless people moved in and destroyed it. And I spent, had to go and get uh, the money to rehab it and fix it back. So we went and borrowed the money uh, against the house and they let me borrow like $30,000. I was like, I bought the thing for 15. And uh, so they give me the 30 grand. I fix it up and I'm like, well, I can go and just buy these houses. And I, I started, I didn't learn about the Burr method until I was explaining to some guy how I had this novel idea. And he's like, no, no, no. They done figured this out. Watch these YouTube videos, right? Come on, boy. I was like, oh. the Burr method. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I was complete green pea. But I, so I started getting involved in uh, some local um, real estate investing groups. And I'm in a unique place because they're giving these houses away for $15,000, $20,000 over here. They're in South Jackson. But the, you can't buy the wood for these things for 20 grand. And so it's like, it's like, it seems to me, man, it's way undervalued. So I was just flipping and buying, flipping and buying. Well, that was about four years ago. And then the housing market did what it did, which not only brought everything up here, but also everything in South Jackson rose in value. So those houses that were worth 30 grand then are now worth 50, 60 grand. And uh, I just got into it at a, at a good spot. Um, we're actually working right now, bundling and refinancing everything out um, and, and putting it all in, in one commercial note uh, at, at my new bank, the, the bank I switched to. Uh, and that's, we'll probably be able to do a little bit of a cash out on it. Um, but I've also, I've, I've stopped buying real estate. Uh, it got super high and super expensive and, 
you know, rent hadn't really kept up. And then there was also COVID where people were just getting away with not paying rent. Uh, yep. So it's like, and we did well through that because, you know, a lot of our stuff was HUD and, and the government kept paying, but, you know, I just, I kind of, I kind of put a pause on it. I'm, I'm not really in love with that business. It, uh, it did, it did really well, but it's not really something I'm in love with. My well, what's best, holding you back? You, what's holding you back from selling it all at the height of the market? Well, the way I have it set up is it's uh, in trust. So that money I get to that that it generates. I have two young kids, and uh, the the money it generates is going to be able to pay for college and healthcare and that kind of stuff tax free. So smart, it's really smart. just. It, it, like I said, it, you know, it makes a little bit a year and, and, and one day, uh, you know, 10 years from now or some shit, all of them will be paid off and I'll have, you know, half a million dollars in free equity just sitting there, uh, which is, which is great. Um, you know, and I can do whatever I want with, I can borrow against, I can do all that kind of stuff and it's paying itself off. So that's cool. And I'll, and I'll do other real estate plays. I bought some, I bought how, like when I go to these hurricanes, I buy houses and, Mainly so my people will have a place to live and then we'll we'll sell them when we leave. And I've I've done well on those. Uh we'll probably start this year uh buying commercial buildings when we go down or a, at least a commercial building and uh putting hometown in it until you know, because it's a two-year two-year thing to do a, a hurricane. I don't care how you cut it up. So buying a, a an office space and then if we decide to leave, being able to sell it and, and cash up. So we'll probably do some plays like that. Uh, and I'll do all that through my real estate company. Another thing my real estate company does is I, I bought my personal house in my real estate company's name. And, you know, it's where I live. My hometown restoration rents from hometown holdings, that house. to have, So it's all tax write-off. There's, there's cool tax shelter place and that kind of stuff that you can do with it. Um, you know, and, and I get you. You know, now that I'm just explaining it, I'm not really talking about stuff. It's just stuff we've done. It sounds really complicated and really smart, but it's really not. It's no, just kind of simple stuff to put together. It just takes a little, you know, it's not like, a, you know, and it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, this is a, a five-year play now that's condensed into five minutes of me explaining it, but it's been going on for a while. Well, that's really deep. Let's unpack that a little bit. You have, you make money in roofing and construction. You buy like a foreclosure, you fix it up, you put a tenant in it, you then refinance and get all your money back, then some, and then you take all that money and then some, and then you go do it again and again and again and again. Sure. And that's how you get financially free. And on top of that, you layered it inside of a trust. And on top, underneath that, you have an LLC that you're getting getting tax shelter. Corporation that owns, I have a corporation that owns several LLCs, but yeah. Brilliant. You know, you sound like a simple guy, but Brad, you're you're pretty smart, pretty smart, buddy. So, you know, last time I, I went out to I, to say, I didn't think of any of that stuff on my own. They, you know, that information's out there. You just got to go down the YouTube wormhole and, you know, and like, you know, I learned a lot of that stuff and joining some real estate investment groups and stuff. I, I didn't, make any of that up like other people have already figured those things out i just kind of copied what they did uh, right so so i got a question for you what's the last book you've read or audiobook that you were just like wow this is a phenomenal book well i'll tell you the one that i, I, I recently picked up and uh i put it back down and said I, I, i've got to get my mind right to read that one uh 48 laws of power 
Um, and I, I picked it up. I got through like the first two chapters and I said, let me set that down for a minute. I mean, it, it, it's not a, you know, I, you know, you spend all these years going through self-help guru books and, you know, all these positive thinking group books. And I picked up that book and it's not, it, it, it's about, you know, it, it talks about manipulation and, uh, all this, and I, I was literally at a point where I was like, let me, let me pause that for a second. And uh, so I'm diving back into that. Um, you know, I, I, I have a, I have a bunch of go-tos. Uh, I've probably given, I don't know, a hundred copies of uh, how to win friends and influence people out. Uh, that was probably the first book that I read. I literally was in tears as weird as it sounds. I was in tears reading that book. It just kind of opened my eyes to, uh, you know, how I was up to the world and how it was receiving me. And it wasn't what I wanted. Um, you know, you know, think and grow rich and all that stuff. I mean, we can sit here and name the top 100 of the uh, business entrepreneurial book people. I like reading books. I like audio books better uh, because I, you know, I'm traveling a lot, either flying or driving everywhere. Uh, so, you know, you can kind of fill that time with, with uh, education. Yes, sir. Um, and, I, I, I'll tell you, I, you know, as, as simple as it sounds, uh, I probably spend the majority of my time on, on YouTube. If I have a topic I want to know about, uh, Self -taught, maybe. yeah, yeah. Well, I am. I, same, I here. Be, uh, same here. Same <laughs> here. So I may not know a lot sometimes, I guess, but I, I am copying everything I know from someone else. You know, uh, I'm not trying to invent wheels. I, I'm, the one, the one thing I guess I, I did come up with was the sales process on the lump sum, how to apply a lump sum contract, um, because it is different than what we're accustomed to. Uh, but and I wanted I to ask you, I wanted to ask you, because that led me into my next question, and I already know your answer. What is the best process in your business that you're most proud of? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be the 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 sales process, the the lump sum sales process, you know, because uh, that is from scratch. That is a, you know, that's that's a that's a take everything we're doing, and tear it apart and rebuild it from scratch. I want to arrive at here's my invoice, pay it, and how are we going to do that? And I mean, we started from how to how to meet a meet a customer at the job to you know all the way through. And and we wanted to we wanted to walk it through. Uh, well, one of the ways I was trained as a salesperson was in the car business. I mentioned that earlier. I was starting the car business, and the 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 way the sales funnel works in the car business is you you use opened and closed ended questions to guide customers, right? So uh, you want them to say yes or no. You want to start narrowing customers down to closed ended questions at the second half of the sale. Um, and, and if, if they say no, we go here. If they say yes, we go here. Right. And you, and so when you start getting to closed ended questions, you start, um, I guess, wrapping your coals around them. Right. So I wanted my sales process to be something that I could, I could teach and, and it be a matter of fact, this is what we're going to do if this happens and if this happens, this is what we'll do. And then that, and then we'll go back over here. I wanted the roadmap. I didn't want to open-ended, you know, call me when you want. Another 
thing I had from being a car salesman is once they leave the lot, they're not a customer anymore. They're going to go buy next door. So I wanted something to where we could close customers and have them sign up with us. And once they've signed up with us, we're in complete control of the deal. Um, and that's, so I started, I started investigating how could I do that? And uh, so we rethought the whole thing and, and um, you know, our, our typical, the typical sale of, Hey, I'm going to help you with your insurance claim. And I'm an insurance uh, what's it? What, insurance specialist and style, all this stuff they put branded on their trucks and all that. Well, that worked for a long time, but what's happened is we've ended up with, with uh, insurance companies just stalling the job so long to where now when it's three months down the road and you still haven't sorted it out the insurance claim like you promised you would on day one, now you're the liar. Now I'm shopping around. I'm going to go find Chuck in a truck and he's going to say he could do it for cheaper and he, and I'm gonna lose the job and I'm the asshole. And I, anyone listening to this goes through that. Um, so we, we, we don't, uh, I don't deal with that. I don't, pr I don't promise to work with your insurance company. I don't promise to, to settle your claim. And it's not my claim to settle. Um, right. And so we, we set it up, just come, we set the customer's expectations up and we set our sales price up completely different. And, um, you know, it worked. Uh, it didn't work. And, you know, we, we definitely had growing pains and we've had to tweak and adjust. And, but if you had to answer the question, what am I most proud of? Man, we, we built a, an empire off of that thing. And uh, and I, I give it away, man. I, I, I really just, you know, I don't, I, I wish that everybody did it. But, so I wouldn't be the only one out here doing it, you know? <laughs> Yes. And on top of that, it would increase the, the payout for everyone. Well, yeah. And, you know, well, the thing is, is I, I don't do it just for, you know, the, the, the increase of payout is a byproduct in a lot of ways uh, because the payouts are so damn low now. It's like when you remove the insurance company's manipulation from the equation, all of a sudden payups go up. It has nothing to do with like, I'm out there trying to manipulate payments to go up. It's like, I'm setting the bar what I need to receive. And when, when I remove the desk adjuster from the equation, all of a sudden results come to meet where I need to be. And, and we've lived in this, in this universe of, of insurance companies controlling and manipulating our pricing so long uh, that it's just, it's, it's drifted down to a break point. And then what accelerated that break point was the last two years, the cost of everything just inflated. So it's like over the last two years, I've had people, you know, coming to me from the woodworks, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And this topic of the lump sum sales process has, has blown up kind of naturally because it was at this break point of we can't survive off of what they're trying to pay us anymore. And the ones that are doing that either aren't doing legitimate business or they're losing money and don't know it. So right. it just kind of got to a, a breaking point and uh, people were looking for a solution. And uh, I have, you know, so were we. And, and that's, I, so I ended up looking for a solution and finding one. And, and that's, that's kind of what happened. I, you know, so I, I would say I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely proud of that. Uh, that we were able to 
find a solution to something that could have otherwise destroyed us like it's done a lot of people. Um, you know, and we were smart enough to completely change what we were doing and go against the mold a little bit. Um, but a lot of people go against the mold and end up just falling on their face. So luckily we found something that worked. Why do you think a roofing contractor or insurance restoration contractor would not use this, uh, use the appraisal process? Well, there's a, there, there's an old dog, new trick thing. Um, and it's not just appraisal, you know, it, it's, it's completely, uh, my biggest problem when I try to teach somebody this is trying to get them to understand the, the sales pitch from day one is different, right? You can't, a lot of guys try to take what I'm doing and fit it into what they're doing. And it doesn't work like that. We're, we're tearing what you're doing apart. We're going to rebuild a new thing, a new sales process. And, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of guys that, you know, they want to still use Xactimate or they want to still, um, you know, use their same sales pitch and well, and they'll, they'll try to explain it to me from their perspective of, hey, well, this is how we're setting our customers up. So make your widget fit. And it's like, yeah, no, you know, it, it doesn't work like that for me anyway. So that's kind of the biggest problem. Uh, the next biggest thing that I think is a real issue uh, that, you know, is something that we've, we've really attacked over the last year uh, and is the, the time it takes from hello to, to, you know, a completed job. I ha we, we haven't solved that problem. It's still taking two and three and four months. They're dragging their feet. And, and what That's we true. did was, we you have a, people. Yeah. You have people who are out, that are going to, but they're doing the retail and then leaving the customer with the bag to figure it out. Yeah, and, and, and well, and that's I'm against that. I, I don't start a job until it's all price agreeable because I mean we could. I could run out there and finance up a bunch of people. I think there's some people that teach to do that, um, and 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 you know we can sell a whole bunch of roofs and leave the customer hanging with their insurance company. Uh, but I, I didn't, I got into this industry because I was an insurance agent getting cussed out because people were getting screwed by their insurance company. And so my whole, like that, our whole pitch and, and our whole purpose in this was to help people uh, restore their homes and navigate their insurance claims. So there's still a big part of me that has to do that. Right. And I feel like that's as a restoration contractor, it's part of it's part of my responsibility to my customer is to protect them, even if that means uh, they don't understand uh, what we're doing, you know, or they don't understand why I can't just accept what the insurance company says. Right. Um, and my job is to make sure that we do everything we can to build their house properly, re restore their house properly and to make sure that the insurance company pays my invoice. Um, and, and if I don't, I'm getting into the customer's pocket over their deductible. And I don't think that's right. I just had to, I mean, I have a $500 deductible on my truck. I had to take it to a body shop and I ended up paying $1,100 to get it back uh, because the insurance company would pay the $600 difference uh, for a, a OEM hood. And, and they were, they wanted an aftermarket hood. And it's like, I had a four month old truck. It's clearly shit. Instead of arguing, I finally just gave up and paid 600 bucks. I mean, I know what these people go through. It's not right. I felt taken advantage of. I felt lied to all that stuff. 
Um, so all that being said, I, I, I don't think people, I think, I think people have to, uh, you know, when you're talking about like a, a little old lady that's, her house is sitting off of the foundation from a, a hurricane. I mean, she needs help and she needs somebody that, and I don't think abandoning her in the insurance process is right. So, but I, I, de I definitely don't build anything. Uh, well, that's why I don't build anything until I'm price agreeable. Uh, now, do we offer financing after that, all that stuff? Hell yeah. It's a big part of the thing, but uh, I, I think we have a responsibility to people that we're trying that to our customers, right? And, and, and we should give it to them. If I'm there as the expert, I should be the expert. You know, this is how I try to guide people just like if it was my, my own grandmother sitting there, you know? Yeah. The, I, I mean, I love what you're teaching and it's been, it's been very helpful for mine because I was taught that old dog method where we just accept the Xactimate pricing. And I realized from 10 years ago to seven years ago, the downward price race. And I then I went on a search, found you and recreated my business based off what I've learned. And since then, it's been very, very fruitful, uh, to say the least. That's why I wanted to get you on this call today. Guys, if you don't uh, know who Brad is, if you're not following him or, or salespeople, if you're looking for a home and you know, you, you like the way he sounds, he, he seems like a good guy. I'll vouch for him. He is a good dude. Brad, <laughs> where, where all you, where all do you sell? What States and how can somebody reach out to you? Yeah. So I hold LLCs in seven different States right now. Um, some of them we've got as dormant, uh, this, you know, left the storm, whatever. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, what we focused on is, uh, you know, hurricanes and hailstorms. So if it's a, if it's a, a you know, we're, we're staring, staring down the barrel of hurricane season right now. So, uh, if, you know, we, we go there, um, if something happens in Florida, uh, we just, we, we just opened the office in Florida, uh, which was like the only state on the, from the East coast and all of the Gulf that I wasn't a contractor in. And now I am. So there if it's going to happen, if it's going to happen in the Southeast of the United States, uh, I'm a licensed contractor there. So, uh, you know, and, and we'd love to have anybody that, that, that fit our culture and, and, and worked, worked well with us. Uh, so I guess you could reach out to us if you, if you did want to come, uh, we definitely also, I, I do, you know, consulting and training with other contractors that, that, you know, uh, either their startups or their, long-time guys that like you that, that just want to change what they're doing. Um, you know, we've, I've done that. I don't really advertise the consulting thing. Again, I don't never wanted to be the guru, never wanted to travel around and get praised. Like I'm some special person. That's not really who I wanted to be. Uh, so, you know, that's, I, I just, I never really, I, I, I probably could start a consulting business and and probably retire off of it, but I would be miserable. So <laughs> I just don't do it. Um, right. But I do, if, if someone needs help and wants help, uh, I'm, I'm here to help. And, and, and if they want to, you know, cause I know what it was like when I was out there trying to figure it out by myself kind of thing, I would gladly, uh, you know, paid somebody to come help me. So. For um, sure. So check them out on Facebook. You have a Facebook page. What's it called? Sure. Uh, the Lump Sum Contractor is a good place to get a hold of me. I'm always in there. You can reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, 
Um, but the lump sum contractor page is a good source where a lot of people are sharing their successes um, using the lump sum sales process. Of course, hometown restoration or Brad G at restoremyhometown.com is a good way to get a hold of me. Uh, typically, if you reach out to me in any of those ways, and uh, I, I, I realize you're not some creep trying to rate me, I'll, uh, I'll give you my cell phone number. So. <laughs> oh, I can always count on getting a laugh when you're around. Brad, this has been fun. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day. I appreciate sure. you, brother. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.